Christian relationship. Uh, I can always tell when I'm not praying systematically. I can always tell when I'm not praying as, as, as a routine and as a discipline. There are days that it's very easy to pray, and there are other days that it's just not easy at all. It, in fact, it can be very difficult. Uh, there are days that it seems like the enemy of my soul tries to uh, get inside of my prayer life and keep me from praying effectively. I've learned that I have to beat him back and declare that I'm going to have my time with the Lord. And so for many of us, we just have to learn how to develop this discipline of prayer. And over the last few weeks, we've, uh, we've been involved in this model prayer that is found in Matthew chapter 6. Also, while you're turning there, I hope that you're following along with our prayer guides over these 40 days we started a couple of weeks ago. I've heard so many positive comments from you about how much you enjoy this guide and just keeping you pointed in the right direction of how to pray and, uh, and who to pray for. And even down to the nitpicky little uh, details of prayer walking in your community or in the mall or at your job, in your work, it gives us an opportunity to incorporate prayer not only in our lives but on behalf of others. Uh, the intercession is one of the great gifts that's been given to the body of Christ. There are some things that we can't do for people, but I'll tell you what we can do. We can always pray. And it's not a last resort. It's like, well, I'll pray. You know, well, I can't really do anything else, but I'll pray. Listen, we ought to pray before we even try to do anything else because it is one of the most powerful things uh, in our lives. So I want to talk to you today in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you will add your anointing now and allow me to represent it properly to your people, to this congregation today, that they might be able to hear it and learn from it and have their, their faith built within their spirit man as they take this word to heart. We ask it in Jesus' lovely name, amen and amen. Today, we're going to talk about probably one of the most difficult things that we have to do in life. And that is that we have to learn how to be forgiven, and we also need to learn how to forgive others. And that's, that's what verse, um, verse 12 says. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, the reason it's so hard for us to forgive is because it goes against the grain of our flesh. It, it, just, it really takes discipline. It takes willpower. I mean, we have to really make sure that we're doing this thing, even when we feel like we don't want to. So forgiveness is one of the difficult things. It's not hard to ask for our daily bread because we all want to eat, right? We want our mashed taters and gravy and our corn on the cob and our fried chicken and all that kind of a biscuit and gravy. I would be remiss if I didn't say something about biscuit and gravy. I, I love that. 
We all want that. I mean, and it's easy to ask for that. It's easy to pray for that. But when we have to pray and say, Lord, help me to be forgiven and to receive forgiveness and help me to forgive those who have trespassed against me, then Father, I need help in doing that. So today, let's just talk about this idea of receiving forgiveness and then giving forgiveness. There are two uh, parts to this passage of Scripture. And the first is that we must learn how to receive forgiveness. Now, here's the bottom line. Some of us just need to lighten up on ourselves. Some of us need to receive the forgiveness that Jesus has paid for and given to us freely. And we just need to learn how to walk in that forgiveness and realize that no matter what the devil says to us, that we are forgiven by the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven. So no matter how bad your day is, no matter how bad your week has been, no matter how bad your year is, the good news is that you are forgiven of your sins. You have been set free by Jesus Christ. And that is one of the greatest blessings, if not the greatest blessing, that you'll ever possess in your life to be forgiven. And so today we must start with this thing called forgiveness. Now, what does it mean to be forgiven? Well, there are three words that you typically hear in this passage of Scripture. How many of you, through your life, you have memorized this prayer? Uh, you, you know what it says. You don't always have to look at it. Uh, if you haven't done that, you ought to do that. You ought to memorize it. It's really not that difficult. It, it's pretty easy to do the way that it, that it moves. And hide that word in your heart so that on those days when you don't know how to pray and not how, don't know how to feel, that you can have that word hidden in your heart. In fact, I'm going to take it another step further and just say to you, this is one of those disciplines that you really need to start working on in your life. You need to memorize the Word of God so that when the enemy comes to you and, and, and charges you and lies about you and accuses you, you can stop him in his tracks and you don't have to say, hold on just a minute, I need to go get my Bible and I need to look up in the concordance what it says or I need to ask Jensen Franklin what it says or Perry Stone. Listen, you don't have to do any of that kind of thing because if you have the word hidden in your heart, you can just say, let me give you a piece of God's mind real quick and tell you what God has to say about me. So if you're, you know, if you're frustrated with your life and your situation and you're struggling with receiving forgiveness today, just let me tell you today that you are God's prize. He has paid the price for you. You are forgiven and you don't have to live with the guilt of your sin and you don't have to carry the shame of sin because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and are walk, not walking according to the flesh but are walking according to the Spirit of God. That's you. Take your finger and say, that's me. I'm forgiven. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. So there are three words that you find and you hear oftentimes when people are quoting this prayer. And the first word is 
trespass. Have you ever heard anybody say it like that? Lord, for, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. So this word trespass is probably what I will suggest is uh, the simplest of terms. It does not indicate in all situations a grievous sin or trespass. It just meant, simply means that you've stepped over the line somewhere. To trespass, you have stepped over the line. And so, for instance, uh, just, just a few days ago, uh, we, we had sold something on Facebook. Actually, Aaron sold it, but it was at my house. And so there were some guys that showed up at my house with a truck and a trailer ready to come in and take away a stove that was in my house. And so I was expecting them. And so when they drove up and stopped and backed in and prepared themselves, I knew exactly who they were. And I was not concerned about who they were and whether or not they were going to come into my house. Because I had invited them to come. They were there because I requested them to come. I also requested them to bring some cash with them. And I was going to require the cash before they came into the house. And so once there was the transfer of the cash, I opened up the door and said, I will hold the door here at the house for you because I've been expecting you. I have no qualms about you coming in and taking this stove out of my house. And they came in, they loaded it up on the dolly, they went out the front door, they got in their truck, and they drove away. I had invited them to come. I had struck a deal with them and given them permission to enter my household. However, had I not given them permission to come into my household and they just stopped in my driveway and got out of their truck and came and opened the door and came in, I would not have taken kindly to that. And I would have suggested that they leave very quickly or they would find uh, that I'm not as agreeable as I sometimes look. And my wife sometimes fusses at me because I occasionally, every day of my life except on Sundays, I, I conceal carry because I, you know, I never know where I'm going to be and I, I don't know what kind of situation that I'm going to find and, and I conceal carry. We conceal carry uh, in the office because there are days that we're counting money. We do it because we have several children here on the premises that need to be protected. We can't have any kind of protection in the school, but nobody said we couldn't have any in my office. And so I, I, I have that tool that, that is with me most days, and there are some days that it's sitting on my desk because I don't know if I need to get to it quickly. Now, some of you are going to be very upset with me and angry with me and all that because I carry a gun. Listen, don't look to your right and don't look to your left. Don't look behind you and don't look ahead of you because you might get shot by some people that would surprise you and you don't even know that they've got one in their pocketbook or in their pocket. Now, I'm not preaching on whether you should carry a gun or not. The point I'm trying to make is that when someone enters into my private space and they've not been invited into my home, and they have no good reason to be there, they are going to meet some resistance by me. 
because they are trespassing against me. They have come across a line that they were not invited to cross. Now here's the point that I'm trying to make. There are people in our lives that come across a line that they were not invited to cross. And likewise, there are times when we step across a line that we were not invited to cross. And as a result of that, we find ourselves in a contentious situation. I don't know if you've watched the news this week or not, but there's a news story that is brewing against a a politician who's a former uh, vice president of the United States. And there is a Democratic senator who has brought charges, not legal charges, but accusations against him for what she considers to be uh, creepy advances towards her. Because they were standing off stage, getting ready to go on stage, uh, when this individual came up behind her and took his hands and put them on her shoulders and kind of squeezed a little bit and then leaned in and began to sniff her hair and then planted a, according to her, a slow kiss on the back of her head. And she said, it just made me feel weird and gross. Now, if you haven't heard anything about that, you need to go read the news a little bit today. I'm not calling any names. How many of you noticed that? Uh, But you probably know who it is. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if any of you guys come up after church and get behind me and put your hands on my shoulder and squeeze my neck and lean forward and sniff my hair and put a slow kiss on the back of my head, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to lay hands on you and it will be without prayer. Somebody say amen. Because there's a line there that we should not be crossing. And so when we're talking here, we're saying that, you know, there are those who trespass against us. And there are times that we trespass against others. Now, most of the time at this level, when we trespass, the only thing really that needs to be done is that we get back on our side of the line. And we cease with the the activity that we've been involved with at that moment. So there's trespassing. And then there's this idea of indebtedness. The scripture says uh, in, in our translation today, forgive my debts as I forgive those who, who are indebted to me. And so, and so this word debt is another level. Because the concept of debt means that I have wronged or that I owe you something that must be repaid. There must be some kind of recompense. There must be something that is done in order to make the debt uh, finished and complete the, the indebtedness. And so we see this in Matthew chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, just flip over there real quick. Matthew chapter 18, a very familiar story that I'm sure that you've heard. It it begins at verse 21. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant. It said, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. 
And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, but 70 times, seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife sold, his children sold, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And so the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So now, here, here's a situation where the scripture tells us that sometimes the debt has to be satisfied not with money and not with goods, but in a spiritual sense. Sometimes we have to give mercy to those to whom we don't want to be merciful. Sometimes we have to satisfy the debt by saying, forget that it was done I'm going to forgive and let's move on in the relationship. Now that's when it's difficult to do. But there are times in life when we must be willing to pay the debt with mercy and to pay the debt with forgiveness. And then there's a third word that we must, must analyze. We have trespass, we have debt, and then Jesus said sin. Jesus just said sin. Now, did you know that we oftentimes don't think of sin this way? We oftentimes think of sin as an action. We sometimes think that, okay, well, I sinned because I cussed. I sinned because I, I, I drank. I sinned because I did this particular action. And we have focused on the action or the attitude when in fact sin is when we displease the heart of God. I mean, we can sin and never cuss one time. You maybe have lived your whole life and never done any of those things that the church says are wrong. But if you do something that grieves the heart of God, it is sin. 
it is wrong. So if I grieve him with my attitude, if I grieve him by knowing to do good but not doing it, the scripture says, if you know to do good and you do not do it, it is sin. So sometimes we trespass against others. Sometimes the debt has to be paid either by recompense or by mercy. And sometimes it's just sin. How many of you know that most of us sin just about every day? In fact, the scripture says, if you say you don't sin, well, then you're a liar. Now, now don't anybody go home mad at me. That's what the Bible says. So you can say it all day long, I don't sin, but it's just simply not true. We sin. So does that mean I'm going to go to hell 15 times a day if I sin 15 times? No, thank God I'm saved. And my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. My sins are forgiven. Unless I purposely and willingly say, I am no longer going to serve the Lord. I'm walking away from my faith and my belief. We call that backsliding. Unless I purposefully and willfully do that, then I am saved once. I have asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. So I'm saved. And some of you may want to debate that with me because you know me well. But I'm telling you I'm saved. But I am imperfect. I, I fall short of the glory of God. You know, I see a lot of people that their shorts are falling down, you know, but that's not what it's talking about. We all fall short of the glory of God. We don't always do everything that we should do. But once we recognize that it is sin and we ask the Lord to forgive us and develop us, so that we're not habitually doing the same thing time after time after time. Day after day after day, He will forgive us and He will cleanse us from our sins. Some of us want to be forgiven, but we don't want to be cleansed. I'm going to get a drink now. That's a good time for you to say amen. amen. We want to be forgiven, but we've not made up our mind yet that I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not thinking that anymore. I, I'm going to stop that silly behavior. I'm going to stop thinking like that. Because I know that it does not bring glory to God. And so, Lord, I want you to forgive me, but I also want you to develop me and to wash me so that I can be clean and I'll give no place to this sin in my life. So the first thing we have to learn to do is to receive forgiveness. We have to be able to discern whether it is a trespass where we have crossed the line to some degree. It may not be a major thing. It may be just a simple crossing of a line that gets us out of the will of God. Sometimes it's something that's serious enough that it requires a repayment of that debt. And sometimes that debt has to be repaid with mercy. And then, of course, Jesus, of course, calls it sin. The good news is, is that he will forgive us of our sins. Aren't you glad for that today? I'm thankful that he does. 
So we talked about forgiveness that we receive. But now what about this forgiveness that we give? What about giving what God has really given to us to someone else who probably doesn't deserve it any more than we do? It says freely you've received, freely you should give. I I thought that was money. I think it's grace. I think it's mercy. I think it's love. I think it's forgiveness. We've received these things freely from the Lord, so we should freely give them to others. So before we can talk about forgiveness that we give, we need to understand clearly the kind of forgiveness that we have received. And so there there are some ways that we can categorize the forgiveness of God. And the first one is this. When God forgives, God forgives graciously. Oh, last week we sang that old song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I love that song. Have you ever heard uh, um, Vince, Vince, uh, what's his name? Vince, what's his name? Vince Gill and Carrie, what's her name? There you go. Have you ever heard those two sing Amazing Grace? Oh, man, I, I said, I said, I'm going to play that in church one Sunday. Somebody said, better not, her dress is too short. I said, oh, that makes me want to play it even more now, just to make a few people. I love the words to that song, Amazing Grace. I needed it, didn't you? And God gives it graciously to us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that while we were yet sinners, the Lord forget. Aren't you glad that we didn't have to clean ourselves up? That we didn't have to get ourselves perfect? We didn't have to go into the bathroom and make sure that all of our, uh, that our hair was in place and, and, and the makeup was just right and the lipstick was on right. And that's just the guys. I mean, and, and everything was looking really good before we came to present ourselves to God. Aren't you glad that we didn't have to do that? Aren't you glad that there's no price that we can pay to buy the grace of Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad that it's free? Aren't you glad that it's for whosoever will? Aren't you glad that it doesn't matter how much money that you have or you don't have? The grace of God is available for us. Amen. He does it graciously. So if we're going to forgive others, we must do it with grace. We must do it freely. We may, you say, oh, but you don't know this person. You don't know this individual that, that wronged me. It, does, it doesn't matter. The scripture doesn't say forgive everybody but that one. It doesn't say forgive everyone except for that pain in your neck. You can hold a grudge for a little while with that. It doesn't say that. We are to forgive everyone. We are to forgive them in the same manner that we were forgiven. Let me tell you, if you'd have known me before Christ, you wouldn't have liked me very much. You say, I don't like you very much now. You really wouldn't have liked me very much then. But thank God it didn't matter whether or not anybody liked me. Jesus Christ loved me and gave himself and shed his blood for me. So there may be some people in your life 
that you need to be gracious to them. You need to be kind to them. You need to provide forgiveness for them freely. The second thing is that Jesus forgave deeply. He he forgave deeply. Now, there are some characters in the Word of God that God loved. But boy, they weren't very nice people. You think about David. David was a murderer. David went out on the deck one day and looked over at Bathsheba and lusted after her and decided that he wanted to have her even though she was not his to have. And he went out and he looked and he sent for her. And you know the story. He had sexual relations with her. She became pregnant with a child. And then in order to try to hide it up, he went and got Uriah, her husband, and said, bring that man here. Give him a day off. He'd been on the front lines of the battlefield or serving there with the army. He said, let that man come home and spend the night with his wife because David assumed that he would have relations with his wife. And then when the baby came, David could say, I know nothing about it. It's like old Colonel Clink. He wasn't on Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing. It was the other guy. Schultz, that's right. I know nothing. I see nothing. I hear nothing. That was the excuse that David was going to use. But when Uriah got home, he said, I could not do that. I could not go in and spend the night with my wife when my brothers are on the battlefield fighting for the kingdom. And he sat outside the house all night long. And David finally sent him back to the battle, put him on the front line because he was more apt to be killed there. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. You want to talk about a terrible crime. You want to talk about a terrible thing that happened, and yet God described David as his friend, the friend of God. So he didn't remain in his sin. He not only was forgiven, but he forgave others throughout his life. Abraham was a liar. He'd lie. Oh, that's not my, that's not my wife. That's my sister. Well, say, well, she was a half-sister, it was a half-truth. A half-truth, a half-truth is a whole lie. Always has been. Always will be. You say, well, I thought white lies were okay. I don't care what color they are. Lies are lies. Abraham was a liar. Paul was a blasphemer. He would take Christians captive and put them in prison so they could be killed. Peter was a denier. What, Jesus? No, I don't know him. I can't. No. Oh, yeah. You talk like him. Oh, no, not me. I don't know the man. The rooster crowed, and Peter knew that he'd been had. Some of us need the rooster to crow in our life every now and then to remind us that we're not living just exactly like we ought to be living. And we need to understand, though, that no matter how deep in the sin that we are, that Jesus loves you deeply. He cares about you, and He loves you with an everlasting and an unending love. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Now listen, you do life with some liars. Say amen. 
you do life with some cheaters. Say amen. You, you do life with some ugly people. I saw, I saw, I saw a video. I don't mean ugly, ugly. I mean ugly in spirit. But they may be ugly too. I don't, you know, there's some ugly people in this world. I'm one of them. But I saw this, I saw this Facebook video yesterday. Then there's this guy and this, this gal, I think it was. They, they're getting ready to pull, pull, pull into the same parking spot at the same time. And they look at each other, and the young man that is in the car, he waves to get their attention, and he goes, and the person in the other car, he shakes his head. And so they go, and go through the whole thing until finally the guy in the car lost. And when he loses, he points to the other one, and he says, it's your parking space. And in, into the parking spot they went. I thought, that, that's, that's a pretty cool way to take care of a few things. Some of us just need to go to those people who are painting our neck and just say, we just need to find a way to deal with some things the way Jesus would. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is one of those hard chapters to read because the writer starts calling us out in our sins. He said, some of you are adulterers. Well, what does that mean? That means that you're having sexual relations with someone who is not your spouse, committing adultery. Some of you are homosexuals. Some of you are thieves. Some of you are drunkards. You say, oh, I, I thought the world had changed on that. I thought it was okay to be drunk now. I thought we changed our mind about that in the church. No, we never changed our mind. The scripture says, do not be drunk wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So I thought you erased that. I thought you took it out with those new translations. No. I never took it out. God never took it out. Some of our worst problems come to us in a time when we don't even know what we're doing because we're drunker than a skunk at midnight. And what we just need to do is lay off and step back and say, Lord, develop me in that area of my life. That was free. It didn't cost you anything. Adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, drunkards. And then he says, he has the audacity, listen, to say, such were some of you. Now, I'm ready to fight, aren't you? Somebody comes in and starts pointing out everybody's faults, and here you are, and you're one of these. And, one, and, and such were some of you. But thank God he didn't stop there. He went on, he said, but you were washed. Amen, I like that. I, we went over, she, she hadn't seen the girls all week, and so... We decided to go over and see we'd see the girls. And when we showed up, Harper had this stuff in her hair. It, it was like it was some kind of chalk, some something. And it was I, I I can't even describe it. It was an amazing look for such such a young girl. 
It was green, it was red, it was blue, it was all that, but it was hard too. And you'd put your hand on her head and it was like, it, it was greasy and it was nasty. And it was a, I said, baby, did you do that to yourself? She said, no, Jovi did it. I thought that was cool. Aaron said, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to get that out of her hair. I do my best. She said, I get it out. I saw Harper this morning, and she'd gotten most of it out, but there's still a residue of whatever that was in her hair, even though it had been washed, even though it had been combed. I noticed that it had a real pretty curl to it this morning. She was looking fine, but she still had a trace of the junk in her hair. Let me tell you that when Jesus Christ washes you of your sin, you don't walk around with a trace of it inside of you. You are saved to the uttermost. Amen. It is washed away. Great is the blood of Jesus Christ. So he loves us graciously. He loves us deeply. And finally, he forgives us repeatedly. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. How many of you have ever done the same thing more than once? Let me see your hands. How many of you haven't? That's what I thought. How many of you didn't raise your hands because you didn't want to get caught in a trap? Hey, we've all done it. We've all done it on Monday and said, I'll never do it again. God, forgive me. Wash me clean. I'll never do it again. Tuesday morning, we've done it again. Jesus, forgive me. I didn't mean to. Oh, yeah, you did. You meant to. You, 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 you haven't given up the desire for it yet. Forgive me, Lord. Help me. Cleanse me. Wednesday morning, you wake up and you do it again. Forgive me. Listen, I'm not trying to put you down or put me down. I'm just thankful that we have a Savior who is willing to forgive us as many times as is necessary. Repeatedly, if necessary. Every day, if necessary. Listen, just because you got saved and you accepted Jesus as your Savior doesn't mean that you're going to do everything right immediately. Sometimes it takes a while for those spiritual develop, the, the, the disciplines to develop in you. And over time, you will become the child of God that God wants you to be. Sometimes it means that he has to forgive you multiple times. I'm glad that he's willing to do it. Come help me stop if you will. You say, what does that have to do with forgiving others? See, you've been talking all morning about being forgiven, forgiving ourselves. Well, here, here's what it is. I told you, you can't forgive other people until you know how God has forgiven you. Go back, if you will, to our scripture text for the day, Matthew chapter 6. Go to verse 12. It says, and forgive us our debts as we also 
have forgiven our debtors. Now there are two things that theologians kind of think that this might mean. And the, the, the first is simply this. As we have also forgiven our debtors means that we are forgiving them exactly the way that Jesus forgave us. Obviously, without the shedding of blood. You can't shed your blood for someone else's forgiveness. In fact, the scripture says that only needed to be one, done one time anyway. And the only one who could do it was Jesus Christ. If anybody comes around and says, I shed my blood for you, you say, uh-uh, no. It can't happen that way. It doesn't work that way. The only one who can forgive sins by the shedding of blood is Jesus Christ. So they're saying, as we forgive others, as Jesus has forgiven us. But there are other theologians that say that it means a process. Just like we're in a process of being forgiven, then we must also start a process of forgiving others in our lives. You know, some of us, we've just got some people that we need to forgive. We just have some people in our life that, that we just need to settle the debt by providing mercy to them. You say, well, I don't want to, Pastor. I'm, I'm not willing to do that. I, I want to I sit and soak and sour on it. I want to be able every time I see them to give them that dirty look that I've been practicing in the mirror every day of my life. Did you ever hear anybody say, boy, if I ever see them again. Boy, if I ever get a chance to talk to them again, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Better be careful. Some of you don't have a whole lot to give up. You better be careful. And we, we think about this thing called revenge. 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 I, I heard one of the players, the coach for the University of Virginia, say in an interview that said, we've been thinking about this moment ever since last year when they got bumped out. I think it was in the first round. They played well all year. They had, they'd, they'd had a great year. They were projected to go to the final four and who knows from there. And in the very first game, they were defeated and bumped out. And they said, from that moment to this, We've been thinking about that. We've been thinking about how we were going to change our ways. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. They're developing themselves and they're growing from what was an obvious hurt and mistake, a game badly played. Problem is, some of us live our lives like that in unforgiveness. That person hurt me so badly. 
that person hurt me so deeply. That person hurt me so many times. I've tried to initiate forgiveness in so many ways. And I'm just done with it. And I'm not going to offer any more. Can I tell you that most of the time you're the one who will carry the pain and not that other person. They're not even thinking about you anymore. They're not even concerned about you anymore. And yet every day of your life you get up and you carry this pain and you carry this aggravation and you carry this hurt and you can never find freedom because you can't find yourself to forgive them. If you don't hear anything else that I say today, hear this. The time is now to forgive them and move on. Does that mean I have to be best friends with them again? No. Does it mean that I have to remarry them? No. Does it mean that I have to bring them back into my life? No. If that's a dangerous relationship, and if it's a relationship that will not draw you closer to the Lord, sometimes what you have to do is forgive and move on. God loves you. He said, but that would make me so much feel like I was a failure. No, sometimes we just can't make things work with certain people. And we've got to be willing to say, I'm going to live above it and beyond it. I'm not going to carry the hurt. I'm not going to remember the pain anymore. Not going to hold it against them anymore. But I am moving on. I'm going to grant them the forgiveness that they... Did you ever have somebody that they did not want you to forgive them? Forgive them anyway. And move on. You say, is it really important that I do that? Can I not just be a Christian and come to church and sing and have a good time and listen to a sermon, give a little offering, all that kind of stuff. Can I not just do that and not forgive anybody else? You can't. Say, can you prove that to me? I can. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 6. Verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you don't believe me, go home, look it up today, read it. Some of you need to get you a post-it note and write down Matthew 6, 14 and 15 and write the scripture out and put it on your bathroom mirror so that every day of your life until this process is complete, you can see that today I must be about the Father's business and that includes forgiving. And so while you've got that toothbrush in your mouth, and you're getting yourself ready. You just say, You don't 
your father forgive your father and do it every day until you are able to forgive them of their trespasses so that you can be free will you stand with me this morning